0: Have you ever wondered what it looks like for an established business to go through the process of rebranding? Today, you're going to find out. I have with me as a guest, my close friend, business coach, and marketing expert, Melissa Rogers. She has been in the online business space for a long time and has seen many evolutions. And she's here to talk to us about the evolution in her own business over the last year in transitioning from the self-made mama to a more personal brand, Melissa Rogers. So we're going to talk through the logistics, like the technical stuff, the decisions that she had to make, and also the visual details, what design challenges she faced and choices she made to elevate her brand and her ideal client. Grab a drink, get cozy, and let's get started. You're listening to Aesthetically Speaking. On this podcast, we're talking about all things branding, logos, colors, fonts, and the strategy behind it all seems like these days, it's easier than ever to build an audience, but harder than ever to stand out online. My name is Rebecca, and I'm a brand strategist and designer. I'm here with my sister, Abby, a lawyer who needs a creative outlet. Together, we're going to talk about how to bring your brand to life. I'm here with Melissa. So tell us about your business and your background for anybody who lives under a rock and doesn't know who you are. <laughs>
1: Well, I don't know if that's true. I think that's a conversation you and I have had all the time, frequently, (laughs) but probably by now more people should know about me. That sounds really conceited, but you know what I mean? Like, and branding is a big part of that. Yeah. Of why that's not the case. So I often feel like I'm kind of like a, like a kept secret
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: not very well known, but hopefully that changes in the future. So my name is Melissa. I am a mindset coach and marketing consultant. I like to make that differentiation as opposed to kind of blanket calling myself a business coach, because Mm -hmm. I think there's a pretty significant difference between coaching and consulting. And I don't know if everybody out there kind of like on the internet understands that or -hmm. or knows that. So I like to blend the two because I think both are absolutely necessary Mm -hmm. and My background is done for you marketing. So I I left my corporate career in project management and started freelancing initially doing copywriting. But as we've also discussed frequently, copywriting is one of those things, especially as a beginner business owner who doesn't really understand positioning Mm -hmm. or how to get yourself in front of higher paying clients and bigger businesses. Mm -hmm. Copywriting is a very hard sell to a small business. Mm -hmm. So I quickly realized that that wasn't going to be enough on its own, taught myself how to build websites and Mm -hmm. (laughs) realized that that was something that I had a bit of a knack for and Mm -hmm. people really wanted to work with me in that capacity. So I just kind of combined the two. So I ended up doing essentially brand strategy, web development and web design and copywriting all rolled into these drastically underpriced packages um, (laughs) (laughs) that I that I would burn myself out delivering uh, over yep. and over and over again, which yep. I think and is there. the story for for everybody as they, oh, yeah. as they get going. And a few years into that, I found I was doing more and more consulting. So people would mm-hmm. come to me for, again, a very underpriced website and I would end up spending hours and hours on their actual marketing strategy with them and yes. kind of fleshing out all of the other pieces of their business and teaching them how to show up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And those were skills that I had really just honed in by promoting my own services. Right. But I had a lot of people coming to me, especially moms. They were like, I know you've got young kids. At the time, I was essentially a foster parent for my three youngest siblings as well. So I had four kids. My husband was Gosh. working shift work and I was doing this this freelance business. And everybody just kept asking me, How? How are you doing it? Like, how do you even have the room in your head to know what to write on Instagram right now? You know, questions like that. And so I had no real exposure to business coaching or that space yet. So this is way back in the era. Jenna Kutcher was like the only one talking about this, right? Yes. Yes. I didn't really know what to do with all of these requests and all of this kind of attention that I was getting. Yeah. And so I started a Facebook group and I started going live in that Facebook group every Thursday night because my husband is an army reserve and Thursday nights are parade nights. So even though he has a shift schedule, which is hard to plan like a seven day week around, I knew without fail that he wouldn't be home on Thursday nights Mm -hmm. and that I wouldn't be missing out on time with him or anything like that. So I would sit down with a glass of wine or something and, and I would go live and essentially answer the questions that had come in during the week. And that Facebook group uh, was originally called Real Mother Hustlers, and eventually called Self Made Mamas.
0: Okay, I'm trying to remember. I think I might have found you through that Facebook group. I was trying to remember how I found you in the first place, and I couldn't. Oh, I can't to. remember. But it might be on. I'm like, oh yeah, the name Real Mother Hustlers is sounding super familiar to me.
1: Yeah, and that's that's old. Like if you remember that, you're an OG. So. That's actually a good branding cautionary tale. Yeah. So that's the story of how I learned about trademarks because somebody in Connecticut had trademarked Mother Hustle. Oh yeah. And so I received a cease and desist letter for my little Facebook group and an Instagram account, <laughs> um, and I had no idea what to do. Checked it with a lawyer, and they were like, "Yeah, like you know, even though you're in Canada, you yeah. are selling to a U.S. audience, you are." Probably at risk, so you're better off. Better off yeah. changing things, and that's how self-made mama started. Oh my gosh, I actually
0: feel like getting not getting sued, but getting a cease and desist or having some kind of conflict like that is kind of a rite of passage for business owners. And it's
1: so yeah, so
0: flipping scary.
1: Oh my gosh, it's especially so. Like not to to be offensive, but Americans are so much more litigious. The oh, yeah. Canadians. So, and at the time I had done mostly working, I was mostly working with Canadians in a done yeah. for you capacity, sending individual invoices and stuff like that. So, I did not have the level of exposure to the American market that I have now, mm-hmm. where over 60% of my customers are Americans now. Yeah. And I just, I wasn't familiar and it just, it blew my socks off. I was, <laughs> I was so scared. <laughs> yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Especially
0: but, uh, as women when you're, so ingrained like i'm I, i'm gonna do it perfectly and i want to hurt anybody's feelings yeah like they're mad at me
1: mm-hmm. and also like you know a bit indignant we're, we're doing different things here like yes i just there, i had a couple of experiences early on where older more established women would come across me and and do kind of shady things like that mm-hmm. you know unnecessarily and it really yeah. um I think those were formative experiences in the the way that I knew that I wanted to do business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I
0: feel like that's happened to you more than is fair, but I wanted to go back because I wanted to ask you how you distinguish coaching versus consulting, Mm. because I never call myself a coach, but sometimes I wonder if that would make more sense to people because it's becoming a term that's more familiar.
1: Yeah. So I have used coach very liberally, because it is what people are searching for. So mm-hmm. if you're going for sort of search optimization on a social media platform, coach is typically what what people are looking for yeah. in the B2B space. But I think coaching, first of all, you can get coaching specific certifications. Right. And usually what you're doing is you're you're purchasing training and a framework from somebody who has like developed that as a business in, in and of itself, right? Right. Yeah. So consulting you're taking your particular expertise and experience in education in a given field and mm-hmm. you're offering a- advice and tangible action steps and things like that with the purpose of creating results for the person yeah. for the person or the company that you're offering the advice to. Coaching is more so about facilitating their decision making mm-hmm. process and helping to guide them in some kind of transformation. Mm-hmm. So that's why I make the distinction between, you know, you can't really be a mindset consultant. So right. you know, mindset coach and a and a marketing consultant, because I want it to be clear right from the get-go that you're not getting, you're not getting a lot of woo from me in the marketing sense. You will right. get a lot of mindset work, but you're we're not doing, you know, spiritual marketing or whatever you want to call it. We're looking at your your data. We're yeah. like we are doing things in a very technical and pragmatic way. Mm-hmm. And then the mindset piece comes along and is woven through everything because if you're not right, your business isn't gonna get right. Right. Yeah.
0: I feel like you strike a very good balance between you should like what you do for your business, but there are also some legitimate structural things that you have to work with. 100%. I think we've had this conversation where I'm yeah. like, "I hate making reels." Like, I just don't <laughs> like doing it. And it's like, "Okay, you should enjoy what you do so that you can do it more quickly and effectively and blah blah mm-hmm. blah." But also, the best way to grow on Instagram is to create video content. 100%. So you have like you have to face that reality and yeah. then make the decision. So I kind of like that blend of the mindset and the marketing and I really like the distinction between coaching and consulting. That definitely aligns with how I feel like I help my clients. And there probably is some coaching that I'm doing in there too. If I'm Yeah. I
1: think honest. with your level of experience, you were probably naturally coaching people. And you're like you are a very encouraging person, like even, you know, in our mastermind chat and things like that. Like the kind mm-hmm. of input that you provide when people ask questions. Like I can totally see you, you know, having a bit of a coaching role, but but your expertise is very deep and it's very technical. Yeah. And so I think in that respect, You know, being a a strategist or a consultant or something like Mm -hmm. that is probably more so. If I was describing you, I actually do describe you fairly often to other people in a very non creepy (laughs) way. But, you know, (laughs) I typically will call you, you know, like a brand designer and consultant or a brand Mm -hmm. designer and strategist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of how I've been leaning towards things too.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's go back to
0: you changed real mother hustlers to the self made mama, or was it just self made mamas?
1: I think it started just as the Facebook group. So the Facebook okay. group was just self-made mamas, and I was still just doing my my web and you know web brand and copy stuff. I and we were just hanging out in there. And then we went through the the classic 2017 2018 Facebook group evol- evolution, mm-hmm. where it started out really good, and, and then was like inundated with MLMs, yes. and became not very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we went through that cycle, but by then I had really honed in on Instagram as, as a place okay. where I was showing up more. So it, it was less of an issue.
0: Okay. And when did you start to move towards coaching and digital products? When did that kind of evolution happen?
1: So I think the, I had a bit of a crossover period, 2018 to 2020, I was doing both. Okay. Okay. And that was definitely a brand identity issue and Mm. like a self-image issue. Totally. You know, there's this thing that happens online, like on Instagram, particularly on TikTok, social media platforms like that, where someone will experience success in some way. So let's say they go viral or they have a really big month in their business. Mm -hmm. And what will happen is I I truly believe 90% of the time we actually don't fully know what led to that success. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of everything that goes in it. But as soon as people have that success, we've created this culture where they immediately turn around, misattribute it to a bunch of different things, package that up and call themselves a a business coach. Yep, And it happens lightning fast. Like You will see it the second somebody goes viral, they're an Instagram coach. The second somebody has a big month or says they have a big month, they're a business coach. And I am a very black and white person in terms of integrity, Mm -hmm. many times to my detriment. Like that's not me pumping myself up. That's, it's actually quite a challenge in many areas of my life. Yeah. But particularly here, that was a real challenge for me from a brand identity perspective, Mm -hmm. because I'm looking at this space where in my opinion, 80% of it is BS. Yeah. And the challenge of knowing that I, I'm good at this and I can actually help people with this. Mm-hmm. But this label and this space feel so misaligned for me, mm-hmm. integrity wise was huge. So it did it did take me a couple of years, and i I juggled both.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But by the time I was about ready to have my second son, there like the coaching and consulting side had grown. So much that there was really no room. I think I did my last website ever a week before I gave birth. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I think I maybe <laughs> finished it a couple weeks after that, like with the finishing touches on it. Yeah, but that that was pretty much it. Early twenty twenty was when I kind of drew the line in the sand and went all in on this side of things. Yeah, I
0: love that. Who became the ideal client at that time, quote unquote, for
1: self-made? Yeah. Mom? So I think I was very much caught up in my roots at that time you know, how that, how the self-made mama had sort of come to be. And because I've always been one to create more sort of like, I don't know, like I call things as I see them, I create uh very yeah. like realistic content. I think that naturally pulled me towards more of a beginner, you know, somebody that was, that did what I did that was starting their business, you know, with their baby on their hip kind of right. thing. And in retrospect, I actually do think that was a mistake, mm. but it, you know, there's no true mistake, right? Yeah. It all, you know, led to, to where we are now, but that was definitely my target client at that time. And the issue with that was that it boxed me into lower ticket offers for the oh, most yeah. part. And it made it difficult to market higher ticket containers without being confusing.
0: Mm, yes. Yeah. Cause I mean, I remember, cause I was in that space, I think when I first really started following you. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to tiptoe into this thing, but I was hardcore on the nap time, bedtime schedule. Yeah. I was not in a place where I could afford to pay for childcare, or where that was even in my frame of expectations. I guess, yeah. And and so it it worked. I think it worked really well. But yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of boxed you in. Yeah. And then, but I I feel like you were still able to evolve. I mean, I signed up for. Your mastermind last year, I think, was my first year, right?
1: Yeah, so like higher ticket. Yeah, definitely did did evolve over time. I think it was kind of like a messy middle, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's that's what led me to the the more recent rebrand. And you know, I've had different iterations of the same brand really for years. And you know, as you always talk about in your content, when you know, when you're constantly redesigning your own brand and things like that, Mm -hmm. like these are not good moves from a brand strategy perspective, but it was something I just never turned my attention to because the way, you know, up until, so when did Reels come out? Was it 20, was it 2021 or 2022 when Reels became, I feel like it it was was like August, 2021. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So until vertical video became like ubiquitous with Instagram, Mm -hmm. it was different. Instagram was different and just kind of showing up and showing your face was actually enough in many cases to override the visuals of your brand because it was all about that personal brand. It was all about that, that Jenna Kutcher, you know, Mm -hmm. Rachel Hollis-esque type type brand and vertical video and TikTok changed that dramatically.
0: Yeah. I totally agree.
1: Yeah. So I think that you know, a lot of business owners, a lot of us that came up in that 2016, 2017 time mm-hmm. period were felt like we got hit by a truck when vertical video became the norm yeah. and really the only way to create reach because we were used to marketing in an entirely different way. Yes. And with a totally different approach. And reels at first had no like there was no aesthetics to it. Yeah. Right. It was just like, can you dance? Can you point? Yeah, yes. like on time to these bubbles. Like sometimes I look back at my old ones, and most of them are gone now. But I'm just like, oh my gosh! Oh my like, word! Like yeah. this is the most embarrassing thing I've ever done on the internet. I think. Oh Which, my god! You know, relatively speaking, it's not that bad. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: <laughs> comparatively, it's like okay, that was okay. But here I yeah. am, being like I'm not going to dance, and then I'm like,
1: well, I did dance a little bit. Yeah, I did a little upper body dancing. And yeah, I, I wish that I hadn't. But yeah, I it put is what it is. It <laughs> I know. But yeah, I think that. Reels has evolved and Instagram has gone through a huge evolution just in the last six to eight months again. Mm -hmm. And I think we're back to a place where visuals are extremely important. Mm -hmm. And when I kind of clocked that shift happening towards the end of last year yeah, and really took stock of where I was at and where my brand was at, I I knew it was time for a big shift, a a major change.
0: Yeah. One where you weren't just Making internal shifts, but everything to your audience was staying the same. But where you were actually saying, "Hey, I am, I am different. This is not the same old brand that you knew."
1: Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: And just to clue in the audience, Melissa now operates under her personal brand, which is—is your Instagram just Melissa Rogers, or is it? It's Melissa Rogers. Okay, somebody had Melissa Rogers. It's (laughs) Melissa Rogers, of course. So, talk to me about the name decision specifically. Were you like, I'm done with this name. I want to use my own name. Did you play with a bunch of options? What was that process like?
1: So there was a few factors that went into the decision. One of them is super embarrassing and funny, Um, but (laughs) it's that I hate saying the word mama out loud.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Same.
1: It's like, it's fine written, but as soon as you go to say it, it's like.
0: Yes. I love the word mama
1: visually, but I
0: do not refer to myself as a mama. And when people call me that, I'm like, ugh.
1: No. And like, I don't say mama bear. Like I don't. No. No, I, I don't. Yeah. I don't speak that word. And yeah. so, so every time I had to say it on a podcast interview or anything like that, there was a little part of me that got the ick. Uh-huh. And I, just, I couldn't, couldn't deal with it. So that, that was obviously not the deciding factor because it, it is actually quite a strong brand name. It is. Um, so and I, I own the trademark to it. I learned my lesson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I own the trademark to it. And many of my assets are still branded that way. Yeah. But the the driving factor was I wanted to create a distinction so that I had one, a way to kind of wipe the slate clean and pivot my target audience slightly. Mm-hmm. And so that I also had some separation between myself and the company because I have grown this business to the point where you know it's not just like a little side hustle it's not a, a freelance endeavor it's right. something that could actually be packaged up and sold as a company yeah if I if I play my cards right over the next say like five or six years mm-hmm. but in order to do that I need a little bit of separation between me as a person and the company yes and I don't. When I think about, like, obviously I have no intention at this time of selling my company. Sure. But if I were to sell the company, I would not want to sell my personal social media along with it. Right. So that was a big driving factor for me. I don't mind selling the website. I don't mind selling the email list. I don't all of those things. Mm -hmm. I do mind selling my Instagram. Yes. I do mind selling my TikTok. Yeah. So there has to be a distinction there for me. So- Mm-hmm. We're not there yet. We're kind of rolling out the rebrand in phases. Um because yeah. we run a very lean team. But over time, what I hope to do is have a have a social channel that has content that is the company that is yeah. probably branded to the podcast. Right. And is separate from me so that if we ever were to package it up and and sell it to someone, it's mm-hmm. it's like that.
0: Yeah. I have wondered with influencers what the Trajectory for their business is because you have these influencers who run companies. Mm-hmm. It is a whole team, but it is so dependent on them and their face and their likeness. I I often wonder, like, hmm, how are they gonna? How are they gonna get out of this? Yeah, when they're forty five and they just don't feel like doing it anymore. You know, one hundred percent.
1: And I and I think you should have at least a vague long term exit strategy mm-hmm. because. The reality is that you know the online world changes so fast. Like, Mm -hmm. look at the shifts that we've seen, even just in social media, in the last couple of years, it's unrecognizable. And there may be an evolution that you just are not willing to participate in. There may be one too many evolutions, and you're tired, and you want to step away. And I think Mm -hmm. that you know, I think it's important to to protect yourself in a sense because you're putting so much into it now, and have put so much into it Mm -hmm. that. Thinking strategically about what you will do if you don't have it, anything left in the tank for it one day is is a good plan. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's so interesting because like
0: you were saying with somebody going viral and then they become a business coach, you see the same thing in the design industry. Somebody will be like, I signed a five-figure client and now I'm going to teach you how to do the same thing. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I want somebody who has done that their entire career. Mm-hmm and that's why people are like oh do you want to be a design coach i'm like no i'm still mm-hmm. learning how to be the best design studio i can be yeah you know and so i just think it's not sexy to think so long term but i think it works so much better and i would so much rather have sustainable success for a very long time than yeah. like hit it big in august of 2021 and then be like oh shoot
1: one hundred percent, and do. we are seeing the outfall of that right now.
0: I think I, so too.
1: I try really hard to, and I hope I know that some people listening to this won't know me or have followed me, but they I will after sometimes that. Sometimes when I say things like this, I feel like it comes across as harsh or snarky, and it it absolutely is not intended that way. Like I'm saying this with all the empathy in the world, mm-hmm. but I follow many different women entrepreneurs in different niches because I like to make sure I'm not just following people who do exactly what I do and yeah. I'm on their email list and I cannot tell you how many people are essentially experiencing a total collapse right now yep. because everything was a house of cards mm-hmm. and, and it nothing was ever done with true sustainability in mind and mm-hmm. everything was always done with instant gratification at the forefront and sort of like vanity metrics at the forefront. Yeah. And I think that that's exhausting, and I think it's stressful on your real life. Yes. And you know, we're seeing so many people whose marriages are collapsing for various reasons. We're seeing mm-hmm. people experiencing like massive, significant health issues. We're seeing if you've been in the in the online business space long enough, like you can tell when somebody needs cash by what they're mm-hmm. emailing, right? Yes. And we're seeing a lot of big names that yes. had seven and multi-seven figure businesses scrambling. Yes. It's
0: fascinating to me. I feel like we could have a whole podcast about the rise and fall and rise of courses mm-hmm. and one-on-one coaching. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot more one-on-one coaching come back. I yeah. think as people are struggling with some of those like leveraged offers. Yeah. Anyway, it's super interesting to me. And one of the things that I ask my clients, when they're doing like a rebrand, is I say, "What do you want to happen to your business when you die? Mm. What's the ultimate goal?" And it's okay if you're like, "I just I want to be done with it," you mm-hmm. know, or if you're like, "I want to sell it," or "I want to pass it on," or "I want to," you know, all those different things. But I think thinking that way helps you make better decisions.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And like that idea of of a legacy business or a legacy brand mm-hmm. can be very calming. Mm -hmm. it allows you to zoom out.
0: Yes. Yeah. And then you're not so worried about this month or quarter or even like what's happening this year. It allows you to just say, this is part of a very, very long game.
1: Yeah. And this is the path we're on. And for many people, that's going to involve generating income in different ways as the market fluctuates. Yeah. And being okay with that because you have a long-term vision. Yes. Yeah. Talk
0: to me about the word self-made because I love that word but where did where did that come to you what did that mean to you at the time? what does it mean now?
1: I think um, just about everything in my business and life has changed since I first started except for what that means to me mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people don't like this term or they like to they like to rip this term apart like I see mm-hmm. a lot of content that's like self-made is doesn't exist. We all have help and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's not what it means. Yeah. So for me, it's always meant building something out of nothing. It's Mm -hmm. meant breaking cycles, breaking Mm -hmm. ceilings. It's, you know, it's about taking sort of your inner strength and your, your intellect and all of those things that are innately yours Mm -hmm. and creating something of value with Mm them. Yes. And, that doesn't have to be necessarily that like a super successful business, but I often think about, I think about the difference. Obviously I serve a variety of clients from a variety of different socioeconomic backgrounds. Yeah. For me, when I started my business, like it, it was do or die and I made it work, but yeah, but that wasn't like a uplifting experience (laughs) to to do that. And many of the women that I've worked with that have had some kind of financial backing or cushion, to fall back on if it doesn't work or to be supported while they make it work,
0: mm-hmm. they
1: always go farther faster Yeah, because of that. And I used to, when I was younger, I felt quite resentful about that. And obviously, oh, yeah. like, as I've matured, I I don't feel that way at all. But I think self-made to me has always meant the ability to take whatever situation you're given mm-hmm. and kind of alchemize it into something, something that you actually want. And you know, it's, it's not quick work. It's not easy work and it's not fair work. I think when people talk, when people, for lack of a better term, shit on the term self-made, mm-hmm. yeah. like it's because they don't want to acknowledge inequity Yeah, and inequity is a fact of life. Yeah, And it's, it's something that, you know, some people obviously are going to experience to a huge degree. Some people will, it will barely touch them in their lives, but being able to acknowledge that that's there and then adapt around it. Like that's kind of the root of it for me. Yeah. I love that. I love that.
0: So you knew that you wanted to separate yourself from the self-made mama brand. Did you consider any other names besides using your own name for your
1: brand? No, it was either going to be, we were going to keep using self-made mama and just have a whole new look, or I was going to use my name. Okay. And I was really hesitant to use my name, but. I think that was more of like a mindset limiting belief thing than totally. than anything else. And I just you and I chatted about it a little bit and I thought, you know what? Like I think I think it's time. I think it's time to make that pivot. And again, I just don't want to say it out loud.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually think that's a very big consideration. I used to work. This is so funny. I used to work for a dental lab doing like marketing stuff, but it was still a dental lab. Okay. And that's how I would I was so embarrassed to tell people, even though it was actually a very good, high paying job. I was just like, I cannot tell one more person that I work at a dental lab and have to explain, actually, I am doing what I'm good at and blah, blah. I was just like, I hate this. Yeah. And so I tell people that all the time when they're talking about their business name, I'm like, what can you say confidently? Yeah. Catchy is good, but if catchy is keeping you from being totally confident in it, then it's not going to work.
1: Yeah. 100%.
0: Okay. So who is the ideal client for Melissa Rogers and how are they different from your previous ideal client?
1: So previously I focused mostly on beginner entrepreneurs. So people who were kind of on their way to like six figures is such an arbitrary amount of money, but you oh, know, I know that people are on their way to whatever their equivalent of six figures is. Right. Um, like I live in an area of the world where you can't even really live on that because it's so expensive. So like, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. But you know, if you're in like rural Idaho, like you've made it, that's that's great. So whatever (laughs) your six figures is that I was really speaking to that person who, again, you know, building the business with the baby on their hip, I know they're squeezing their work into these little pockets of time. Mm -hmm. And that had always been my ideal client because that was me for so many years. As things evolved for me, you know, my business became more and more successful. I was able to access like in home childcare and things like mm-hmm. that. I don't talk about this a lot in my content just for his privacy, but my older son for sure has ADHD, potentially mm-hmm. some other things going on as well. And mm-hmm. as a toddler and like a preschooler kindergartner, parenting him was exceptionally challenging. And yeah, yeah that again sort of kept me back in that space where. I felt like I couldn't bring a caliber of service to the market that fit a higher caliber client. And now that he's gotten a little bit older and he's more settled and he has more supports in place and things like that, that's changing as well. Yeah. And, and I, myself, I had a really, really hard sort of 2021, 2022 personally, and it really pushed me to my absolute limits in terms of mental management and, yeah. and mental health. And when I, Came out of it, you know, at the end of 2022, and started to really feel like I was healing and getting back on track. Early Mm -hmm. 2023, I thought I don't want to submerge myself in struggle anymore. It's not because I don't want to help those people, and I'll I'll explain sort of how I'm doing that strategically. Like I still want to help those people. I have such a heart for it. Yeah, but it's kind of it's like the the drowning analogy, right? Like you, you can't always help someone who's drowning. Like they will drown you as well. And early in 2023, I felt like I couldn't spend one single more second in that space of struggle. Like, Oh, my husband won't let me pay for this. Oh, I don't have any time. Oh, I don't have. And I've been there. Like, I totally get it. Totally. But I also know what it takes to get out of it. And I know that 90% of people will never do that. And that is kind of a harsh reality, right? Yeah. This is why selling cheap offers to beginner markets is so challenging. Yeah. This membership that we have, just literally just because I'm a bleeding heart and I cannot bring myself to abandon our beginners that are in the audience, we have this membership. It is so freaking hard to sell.
0: Oh my God. Because
1: of the market that we're targeting. And it's not designed to be a revenue driver in my business at all. Like it is literally just there because I'm a sucker. (laughs) And I I just, I don't want to leave this gap, Mm -hmm. but the market, you know, the market that I'm really going for is someone that's a bit more established, someone like yourself, right? You have some business chops. We have lots of business Mm chops. You've been around for a while. You're making good money in your business. And really the kind of stuff that's coming up for you is I need to make some really strategic decisions about the next one to two years. I'm hitting this revenue plateau and I can't figure out why or how to get around it. I'm having a mental breakdown every other day and yeah, I want to stop doing that. I'm doing this in my business, but this is going on with my husband and it's messing it up. Yep. We have those conversations all the time at this level. And so it becomes, the question becomes less, how do I make, how do I get a client? How do I make a sale? But more, how do I make decisions that are going to allow me to leverage this business to give me the lifestyle that I really want? And then now that I'm on the other side of those survival years that we all go through, yeah. how do I actually curate my life and my business to be what I want? And what what do I even want? Because I've spent yes. the last however many years meeting yes. everybody else's needs yeah. And, and serving people typically, like most of us start service-based businesses mm-hmm. or like small handmade product businesses. Oh yeah. Women statistically, particularly mothers, will go into low revenue business models almost every time. And that's a whole other oh my gosh. conversation. Seriously. But you know those things are all ways that we make ourselves of service. Mm-hmm. And so when we come on the other side of those survival years and everybody does eventually, mm-hmm. you don't know yourself. You don't know what you want. You don't know how to run a business like a CEO. You only know how to run it like a servant. And yeah. that's who I really want to support in this kind of evolution of my brand. Because I'm really good at looking at that from the outside and saying like, this is where the issue is. Mm-hmm. And this is what we need to, to address. This is what we need to heal. This is what we need to rip the band-aid off of. And then we can take these steps.
0: Yes. Yeah. I feel like I hit this tipping point, if you want to call it that, where I was, I've kind of hustled my way to success, quote unquote, not mm-hmm. that I've like made it, but you know, And I was kind of like, I can continue doing this, but I don't want to. I'm Mm -hmm. not willing to do that anymore. Yeah. And so how do I get to the next level without continuing to just run as fast as I can?
1: I only know how to do what I've done, but it has to be something else. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What what I've done is either not going to work any longer or I'm not willing to do it. So what are the options? I, I totally see that. Yeah. 100% talk me through the design changes of your brand. And we talked about this
1: Mm -hmm.
0: in kind of elevating your ideal client. Did you feel like you needed to change the visuals? How did you want to change it?
1: Yeah. So essentially what had happened because I had paid very little attention to my visual brand for so long, (laughs) I feel like I've always had a pretty strong brand identity and brand voice, but my visuals were all over the map. And over time, they had become cutesy. And mm-hmm. I don't know if you've picked up on this through this conversation, <laughs> anyone listening, but I'm not really cutesy. <laughs> um, I do like- Definitely not how I would describe um, you. But but cutesy is probably not how anybody in their right mind would ever describe me. Mm-hmm. And I started putting, putting different kind of like mood boards together and I would just like randomly text them to like long-term clients and and people Mm -hmm. like you and be like, Yeah, what do you think about this? And I texted one to Brie, who's another girl in Uh our mastermind. And I said, what does this make you think of? And she's like, it's um it's uh intelligent and elegant, but also says (laughs) and I was like perfect. (laughs) Like that sounds I know you're probably gonna beat that out, but (laughs) I was like (laughs) but, But I was like that's it. That's the mood board. And that's when I brought it to you. Yes. And said, okay, I think I know what I want out of this. Mm-hmm. Please give me your like unfiltered opinion.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I was going to say, you're definitely intelligent, smart, but not like this stuffy, serious, or even like, I don't know. I feel like there are some people in the business coaching, consulting world who really want their brand to read like, I'm better than you. Mm-hmm this is exclusive and you have to be yeah, super special. And, and I'm everything do like is this.
1: meticulously aesthetic.
0: Yes. And I'm going to do like monochromatic
1: white and black. And I don't feel yeah. like
0: that's you either. There's still strong personality and like color in there.
1: Yeah. 100%. And so I think that's how we kind of got to, I, I was feeling a bit stuck about it. So I mm-hmm. had, I had essentially neutralized my color palette and just added little pops of uh, a softer pink and mm-hmm. that kind of lilac I I don't know if that's the right name for it. Yeah. That kind of lilac color just to cool it down because I felt yeah. like things had gotten so pink and warm and cutesy and I just wasn't, I didn't like it. Yes. I would like pull up my brand colors to make a story and be like, Ooh, I just, I don't, I don't like this color. Yeah. It was a all. little, it was a little like girl bossy It was too much. It was Barbie. And actually um, I probably could have leveraged Barbie a bit better had I stuck with it, but I, it just wasn't, it wasn't me. It wasn't Mm -hmm. reflective of kind of the direction that I wanted to go. And in the back of my mind, I kind of felt like I wanted to bring in some corporate consulting down the road. And I wanted to make sure that I didn't have to create a whole new aesthetic for doing that. Mm -hmm. So it needed to be professional enough to, Mm -hmm. to suit that purpose. Right. Um, but it was you saying to me, this needs a lot more black
0: mm-hmm. That, like,
1: then the penny dropped for yeah. me, because I, I think because of exactly what you just described with the, I'm better than you aesthetic, mm-hmm. I had been avoiding too much black. Right. But as soon as I brought that back in, it, everything just kind of clicked together. And I was able to have this kind of just ever so slightly whimsical font, mm-hmm. but like, it's still a serif. So it feels grown up. Yep. Um, but it's just got these tiny little whimsical tails here and there, not overdone. And then everything else is very clean. And again, just this tiny little, often semi-translucent pops of pink, yep, and purple. So like they're not overwhelming. They're not that's not the focus of it. It's mostly yeah. monochromatic. Mm-hmm. But just an interesting enough, I feel that you're like, okay, like this isn't. Yeah, this isn't that I'm, you know, driving my. I always try to use a car analogy in this example, and I don't know anything about cars, so I'm driving <laughs> my like super bougie mom car and like doing reels with my like peanut butter leather interior and look uh-huh. how rich I am and so much better than you. Like, yeah. I loathe that as a marketing strategy and refuse yes. to do it. Yeah, so I did not want my aesthetic to represent that. Mm-hmm. But you had,
0: yeah, you needed more black in there to make it that more sophisticated level.
1: Mm-hmm. I think the black like anchors it all and makes it elegant, Mm -hmm. which is kind of, I think that's elegant is the perfect, I think, balance, right? Mm -hmm. Like I thought about all of these ideas actually came from just consuming your content, to be honest. But I thought about if I'm going, so my husband's a first responder in an army reserve. So most of our personal circle here where we live are soldiers or police officers. Yeah. so- if we go to a party, everybody is is mostly wearing like athleisure or not very well put together outfits. Yeah, <laughs> because everybody just wears a uniform all the time. Totally. Yeah, um, you'll have like the odd trendy person. Yeah. So like for me, if I am if I'm like super duper trendy and like fashionista, and I walk into one of these rooms, I immediately yeah. feel out of place, and I feel. Like the their their first impression of me is actually not going to be positive as opposed to let's say I wore that, I don't know, like a media event or something. It would be totally fine. But those are not the spaces for that. And so what I whenever we have to go to something, my goal is always to be casual but elegant because I like to dress up. Yeah. I I like to look nice and I
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I I do value aesthetics, but I feel like elegant is that perfect balance Mm -hmm. between overly aesthetic and doesn't care.
0: Yeah. I love that. I remember you showed me an image. I think it was the, like the desk setup, up mm-hmm. and there was like the one at the desk. And I think she had a glass of champagne. Yeah. I remembering this right. Anyway. Yeah. Was- she
1: has a glass of wine in one hand and like an iPad in the other or something.
0: Yes. Yes. And it was that perfect blend because I think aren't her like feet up on the
1: desk. I think she's just sitting, but she's wearing like a, like a satiny dress.
0: Yeah. It was like, like she's beautifully put together, but yeah, like still put together, still not schlumpy, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. I love that. Okay. So to kind of bring this together, what advice would you give to someone who wants to rebrand or elevate their existing brand?
1: So I think you have to, first of all, make sure that you're not doing it too soon. Mm -hmm. Because I think in the early stages of your business, it's so tempting. And most of us do tweak things and change things like over and over again. And the reality is that in the early years of your business, especially as a personal brand or a service provider, you don't know, you just don't know what you're going to be. You don't know what your, your real thing is. You don't know your true brand identity. And so trying to nail a rebrand or an elevation you literally won't be able to because in six months, you're going to feel totally different. Yep. So I think give yourself time to come into yourself Mm -hmm. and also don't do it from a place of desperation or struggle because then you're not going to get a brand that's actually aligned with you. I think you have to be in like a calmer, stronger, more balanced place mentally in order to say like, okay, so this is this is what I want this to embody. And then you can do the work of, you know, working with someone to elevate the visuals. Ideally. Um, yeah, it's very difficult to do that by yourself.
0: Yes. I feel like this, I don't want to call it a rebrand, but a brand evolution for you, let's say is such a confidence move, like such a power move for you
1: Mm and comes from
0: a place of confidence and not being like my business isn't working. It's like my business is working and I'm, I am looking forward to the next step of
1: this. Yeah. It it is a power move. It was really scary still. Oh, it's terrible. Like it's yeah. because along with it, like we we did tangible things. Like I closed down almost all of our offers. Yeah. And I basically had to sit down and look at my numbers and project a huge dip in revenue for a few months while we got everything sorted out and rolled out. And to yeah. realistically say, I am not going to be able to roll out everything that I want out of this rebrand at once. It's going yes. to have to come in phases and it's not going to be done until next summer. Yep. Like that's probably when we're re- looking at rolling out the last few pieces yep. of everything and being okay with that and saying like, okay, so I'm a business coach and I might make a little less money this year. Mm-hmm. And that's going to have to be okay because I have this long-term vision.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's the same as if you're remodeling your house. It's like, hey, you're going to be living in the transition for a little bit yeah. for the, hopefully, end yeah. solution of having the bigger, better kitchen, whatever it is, you know?
1: 100%. We've got plastic all over the furniture right now. Like that's exactly. Where we're
0: at. <laughs> exactly. And that's okay. And that's just part of the process. I don't think you can really skip that.
1: No. And I think when you try to, you end up with something that isn't right. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be doing it again in eight months.
0: Yep. And I feel like, okay, this will be my last question. <laughs> like I have like four last questions. This will be the actual last question. I feel like you did a good job of bringing your audience along for the ride where people knew that things were changing, but it wasn't, you didn't like spill the beans too early. How did you kind of navigate that? How did you decide how much you wanted to share and when?
1: That's super funny because I feel like I did a terrible job of <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because it's like you can always do more to continue to build height. Yeah, 100%. So, for some reason, I timed my rebrand for exactly when my husband was getting back from a 10-month overseas deployment. Oh my gosh, I'm an idiot. I don't I don't even know. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> so, At the time, it seemed like the right I was like, new chapter, fresh start, like everything. And like, that's a terrible idea. Never, (laughs) if you're listening to this and you're an army family, never, ever do that. That is a terrible (laughs) idea.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: So it was a bit kind of like clunky to roll Mm -hmm. out. And in the weeks leading up to him getting home and me being ready to to roll this out, I was not in the headspace to complete the amount of work required, let alone like post about it in a in an engaging way. So right. I actually felt like I did a really terrible job of creating anticipation unless you were watching my stories really closely. That's kind of what I do. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I do have like a core group, a very small, like we're talking a few hundred people that watch my stories religiously. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness for them, otherwise I would have relaunched to literal crickets. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like we launched, you know, we didn't relaunch with an offer right on the table and tons of revenue rolling in. Like it's been a yeah. slow build, but it is building. So we're, you know, we're definitely headed in the right direction. And, you know, it's the stuff's getting done at the rate it's getting done. Yeah.
0: Oh, I I freaking love your perspective. <laughs> <laughs> this is the whole problem with the internet, is everybody thinks that everything happens instantaneously. Yeah. And And it will
1: feel like that next year when you look at, you know, look at my social media, look at my website, you're going to be like, Oh my God, this is so overnight saying that now it's going to be a hot mess, but, (laughs) but you know, you're going to be like, wow, like this is so polished. Like how did she do this so fast? Because your timeline in your head about what other people are doing is super distorted. Yeah. But like the reality is like, this is, this is going to be at least a year in the making. Yeah.
0: And that's okay. It's like someone else's pregnancy. It always goes by way faster than my own.
1: Literally. Yeah, exactly the same.
0: Yeah. I love that. Okay. If somebody wants to find you or work with you, where can they go?
1: So the best place to connect with me is Instagram or email. So you can find me at it's Melissa Rogers on Instagram. Um, My DMS are always open. Make sure you give me a follow or drop me a comment or something like that. So I kind of see your name and, Mm -hmm. and know to open your DM. Cause I don't know about you, but the bots are crazy right they now crazy. in Instagram DMs. So I do miss people sometimes. Cause I'm just like, nope, you just want to yep. sell me jewelry or something. Oh my,
0: I was literally just going to say the number of messages. Like
1: ambassador to be a jewelry ambassador. I'm oh like, my gosh. yeah. So yes, make sure you're waving your hand in the air. If you come find me on Instagram so that yes. I can be sure to connect with you. You can check out my website, uh, the um, if you want information about programs, coaching, or anything like that, we have three programs that you can enroll in at any time, a beginner level membership. So if you're someone that is just starting out and you want to get to, I hate saying six figures, but your your six figures, whatever that is, yeah. we have a coaching membership for you that you can join. We have a mid-level program uh, that Rebecca is in called the C-Suite. And then there's private coaching available as well. So those are ongoing. You can enroll anytime and you can also shoot me a DM and chat about your situation and we can see what might be best for you.
0: Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I feel like this was an amazing conversation. I could probably keep going, but we'll let you go. And if you guys have any questions, make sure you reach out to Melissa or me and I'll get you connected. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed listening to Aesthetically Speaking. If you want to support the podcast, please leave us a nice review or connect with us on Instagram at Rebecca Peterson Studio.